Hey everybody, welcome back to the Movement Performance Podcast brought to you by The Movement. My name's Don and with me as always is Jess. Jess, how are we doing today? I'm really good. Waxing my board tonight, getting packed for Whistler, so no complaints here. What about you? Yeah, likewise, right after this pod, I'm going to fire up to uh, to my guy and get my split board all dialed up. So yeah, it's going to be, gonna yeah, be good. Gonna... I'm excited for yeah. sure. Snow's looking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get my understanding. There's a, there's a big... Uh, Big, big storm system rolling through the coast right now. So, yeah, psyched for sure. Um, so, we're uh, we're going to be talking today a little bit about um, the reactive strength index and power development. And um, you know, I th- I think I think it's kind of a, an exciting topic. It's something that a lot of people don't put a ton of thought into necessarily. They're like, I want to be more powerful, but they and so they're like you know i should do plyometrics but that's a really broad range of exercises you know yeah i think there's a lot of nuance that is kind of missed in it so this should help some people dial it in a little bit better Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you want to start by taking us through a little bit of what it is sure yeah um i mean the reactive strength index is really just a measure of explosiveness right um and so what is explosiveness? I define explosiveness as this ability to reverse momentum or to change direction quickly. And so obviously that's a super critical athletic um, v- variable or athletic attribute. Um, and whether you're in you know snow sports or court sports or field sports, um, something that involves cutting, something that involves jumping, then that reactive strength index or explosiveness is just going to be super critical yeah definitely um so many sports growing up i feel like you really use that and you don't really realize it or train it properly so yeah and and on like the flip side of that i think uh you know with with like aging athletes right we take for granted how integrated development of those attributes are when we're when we're kids yeah you're, so true <laughs> you're literally like exploring like what's the highest thing i can jump off and, yeah and not totally collapse or like do, do you know what i mean you're yeah just or laura the other day bouncing around on like one foot for <laughs> just, just for, just no for fun yeah. yeah yeah totally it's it's a it's one of these attributes that develops really naturally when we're when we're young and at a certain point um depending on the sports you get into whether it's you know cross country or um you know ski touring or backpacking or you know whatever we 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 think of those as these athletic endeavors these athletic um outings that develop us um physically Mm -hmm. but we don't pay attention to the attributes that are maybe falling off yeah those more endurance based yes very true pieces right yeah um well so I, I kind of stopped there. So I, t- I chatted a little bit about like what reactive strength index is, that, that explosiveness. Um, but really what this, what this depends on is something that we call like the stretch shorten cycle, right? Um, or, you know, our body's elastic potential, right? So our muscle tendon unit, right? So the tendon anchors our muscle to bone. And then, um, y- you know, it's uh, that unit acts sort of like a spring or an elastic. And so as we sort of jump down off something or are absorbing impact our muscle is lengthening that's known as the eccentric phase so it's lengthening and absorbing force Um, our tendon is storing it 
and then there's this spring recoil uh, that that leads to like a um, a shortening or a concentric release and so the faster that stretch shorten cycle can occur um, you know the more reactive you're going to be and obviously there's um, you know being just poppy um, with with not much strength or power behind it is 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 not quite as useful right so. yeah and the good way to think of this is like sprinting versus running too like how fast that's happening mm. so if you like watch the olympic sprinters doing the 100 meters they're like barely like they're barely contacting the ground for very mm. long whereas you look at like you know someone doing more of an endurance run that that's happening a little bit slower yeah that contact time right yeah, yeah and i think that's a great example right of uh you know sprinters having I mean, frankly, let's just go there. They have like some of the best yeah. RSI's, best reactive strength index numbers out there. Period. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's great to talk about reactive strength index, but how do we measure it? Yeah. Right. Um, so I know you and I both use the same tactic in clinic here. It's um, an app called Jump Lab uh, that is, you know, it's it's super easy to use, really accessible. Um, we can get our athletes to set it up and, and uh, you know, um, send us videos, right? We just teach them how to, uh, how to film it themselves mm-hmm. and we can sort of be monitoring their progress from afar. Um, and, uh, and we just dump that video into our app and boom, we get the numbers, right? Yeah. I think what's great about it too is it, it has ranges. So there's been like research done and it gives you ranges that tell you different things. Totally, yeah. So. And, and so... Um, and th- those those ranges are just like the standard ranges that that are, that come from all like reactive strength index um, research, right? But what I like about Jump Lab as well is that it's actually it itself is correlated with these super high tech like you know Jump Labs that that you know you have at research institutes and with like you know big American football teams probably have them, you know. So yeah. But you know people that we work with on a regular basis don't have access to that. And so this, <laughs> I love that this has been, has been closely correlated with the, the data that comes from, yeah, um, from exactly. these big labs, right? Um, <clears throat> so what exactly are you doing, right? So in the jump lab, there's a whole bunch of different <clears throat> jumps that we can evaluate, of course, but um, for reactive strength index, what we're doing is a drop jump um, or a, a, really it's a depth jump because we're focusing on, um, well, I guess it's not on height. We're fo- our focus is on, on speed, right? Yeah. Reacting. And so it's, it is a drop jump. So we would be stepping off of a fixed height object. Um, we can, depending on the height, um, we can use that as an evaluation tool as well. Start at 6, 12, you know, 18, 24, and see where is that peak reactive strength index. And that gives us information as well. But for this, for this point here, we'll just say that it's, we're doing it off of a fixed 12-inch step. Um, and the cue is just to step off and explode vertically um, as quickly off the ground as possible. Um, and uh, what it gives us is it gives us a range from like zero to greater than three, right? Um, and so in, in practice, um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Olympic sprinters are going to be um, in and around three or even beyond at times, right? And <clears throat> on the flip side of that, um, either, you know, young training age athletes or uh, endurance athletes are probably going to fall below 1.5. And that kind of gives us a little bit of information as to, you know, 
how we're going to train those individuals, right? Um, in between that 1.5 to, to 2.5 range, um, that that's kind of a pretty standard realm that we see a lot of um, power and power and strength athletes, snow sport athletes, um, you know, boulders, climbers, stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of the range and the data that we get out of it, right? Yeah, it's been super helpful for kind of deciding where to go clinically having those numbers. Mm -hmm. So I guess like next step would be talking through that a little bit on how we make decisions based on what someone is showing on those numbers and then based on their sport and what they're doing. So right. do you want to start with, you know, if they're below that 1.5? Yeah, um, for sure. And I guess it's important to note that like, we use this both with like competitive and recreational yes. athletes, right? So we don't only use this with our um, with our peak performers, um, and that's sort of what you were getting at around that less than one point five, right? Yeah. So being below one point five on the reactive strength index um, can be one of two things: it can be a someone who's committed a lot of their training to endur endurance athletics, right? Or it can be someone who's really um, young from a training age perspective um, right and so um, what that number really tells us is that if that person comes in say it's an endurance athlete who comes in and they're like hey I want to get more um, more powerful I want to be a little bit more poppy I was thinking of integrating some plyometrics or I have been integrating plyometrics but I'm, maybe I'm starting to get some like patellar sensitivity yeah. or some <laughs> you know um, Achilles sensitivity and and maybe that's what brought them in right and I do the reactive strength index and I'm like, cool, you're under 1.5. That tells me that you're really um, unprepared to integrate, especially intensive plyometrics, right? Um, and so there may be, may be an entry point to plyometrics there depending on where they fall on that RSI scale. But more than likely, what that's gonna tell me is, hey, you need to do more strength training. You need to build up a bigger strength buffer um, and load tolerance in your in your tendons at, at, at like a more gross level before we can start, you know, really firing, um, you know, with power through yeah. there. And I think what's important to note is like this can change throughout your like athletic endeavors or career. So I was in a time where I was doing a ton of plyos with hockey. My numbers were good. Then I switched, did more endurance stuff, and my numbers kind of tanked. So it was kind of realizing I had to change my dosing when I started plyometrics again and have some more strength first before doing it because I feel like sometimes your ego gets in the way a little bit <laughs> it was not fun to dial it back that much but totally um yeah. I mean the thing about <clears throat> as we talked about in the last podcast that we chatted about power was uh was that you know the lower volume power work plyometric work doesn't really feel like a ton of work yeah do you know what I mean and so to your point, it can kind of feel like oh, I'm not really doing anything. Yeah. Um, but you've got to dial that ego in and make sure that you're you're sort of listening to where um, where your body's at, right? Um, so somebody who's a little bit higher, somebody who's more in that 1.5 to two sort of range, um, that's somebody who we'd for sure be including more sort of what we'd call like extensive plyometrics um, with a little bit of probably a, a more power based strength program, right? And somebody who's above 2.0, uh, we would for sure be doing more intensive plyometrics um, and or, you know, um, ramping the volume of, of the plyometrics for sure. Yeah. Um, do you want to go through kind of the differences we'd see with some of the extensive versus intensive plyos, some examples? or? Yeah, for sure. Um, so 
an extensive plyometric, as the name implies, is a little bit more kind of prolonged, a little bit less um, intense, right? So this is something that you're working on that spring mechanism without really, um, you know, going max effort, right? So this would be something like a pogo hop, something like, you know, the runners, runner skip type drills, like, you know, your classic running warmups or skipping period, right? Just standard, standard skipping, maybe not double unders, perhaps that might be a little more intensive, right? Yeah. Um, and more coordination. <laughs> more coordination for sure. Yeah. Yeah. More if you skip barefoot like I do, more more tingly toes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also like things like light bounding, right? Um, intensive plyometrics. Um, and, and sorry, just to go back to extensive, those are just a few examples. Um, there are there are so many options, and it's such extensive plyometrics have such a broad range um, that really calling plyos extensive or intensive is a little bit kind of cursory you know it's not a very um great way to break it down um i think looking at extensives you need to sort of dive a little bit deeper but it's kind of beyond what we're chatting about today um intensive plyometrics on the other hand it's sort of like as the name implies it it, the focus there is not on just kind of building that spring but actually um you know max effort and um really you're working on kind of creating a stiffer spring system right so you you know a a big strong you know stiff shock or spring right you can put you have to put more force into it um to to get it to sort of like have that spring effect but but that rebound is is far greater right and so we do um want to build that um that big stiff spring that you know takes a lot of force to sort of um to con- compress it but then that rebound is yeah is is what we're looking for right um sneaking back though um I, I was just you know the use of the reactive strength index we talked a little bit about um using it as to determine the entry point for plyometrics and like determining like what the training plan um approach might be like as far as intensive extensive etc um, but we can also again um, use it to help guide our our sets, our reps, the height for a drop jump, for example, um, based on based on kind of fall off of that of that number. Yeah. Right? Okay. Fall off of speed. So your volume, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, should we go through that a little bit, like the difference uh, in volume we'd see between the intensive versus the extensive? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, you know, and obviously, there's as with everything, there's a there's a range of um, you know, where you might start an athlete depending on their training history, depending on their, um, injury history. Um, but at, at the most kind of gross level, intensive plyometrics, the total volume can range from like 30 to 60 reps total, uh, in one to six rep sets, depending on the intensity that you're, that you're doing them at. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas extensive plyometrics, your total volume is generally going to be higher um, because it's, again, the, the um, focus is more on sort of working on that sort of um, that stretch shortened cycle as opposed to maximizing its output. Um, and so extensives would generally between, be between like 80 to 150 touches okay. um, per, per leg. So if you're doing single leg work, you know, obviously... Um, it, it may be higher and that would be again an example of a 
uh, an extensive like single leg hopping work might be a, a an example of more of an extensive or a, an intense extensive plyometric right and so this is where like two leg pogos versus single leg pogos are very different stimuli right yes for sure uh, so it's, it's this like broad spectrum right and that so again 80 to 150 reps of extensives per um per limb and in generally in sets of like 10 to 15 reps so a little bit less um again intensity right yeah because um, you're not really demanding as much neurological drive right so you yeah. can do those higher sets um, and then for rest would you differ your rest between those two groups or would you keep it pretty similar pretty pretty similar i i think the rest is is more important for sure for the uh for the intensives with the um because because what you're that that longer rest we usually say three to five times the duration of the of the movement you did um and the thing about intensives is that you're you need to allow your nerve nervous system to like rebound right mm -hmm. um whereas with the extensives i find especially with maybe um athletes who aren't quite as well trained uh it, it's more allowing the muscles to uh um to recoup a yeah. little bit right um so <laughs> definitely just kind of get rid of that pump a little bit and then yeah um so that's that's the general gist of it um obviously we can keep going keep going on uh on plyometrics and power training but um i think for the intent of this podcast that's sort of what i wanted to dive in on from a reactive strength index yeah. perspective yeah it's a great little a great overview i think it makes a lot of sense um it's really fun to train i think so i mm -hmm. like doing it mm -hmm. but yeah, and, and I think I, I I guess probably as a as a takeaway, right, um, is that if you're more of an endurance athlete um, or you're a younger um, younger training age athlete, uh, making sure that you're you're beginning on that lower end of the dosage, right, um, understanding that you know you're probably not going to be feeling totally worked from these these workouts. That's not the goal. Um, and just making sure that uh, the other piece of volume that we didn't talk about was was number of times per week. Um, I usually limit this to like one to two sessions per week um, is often where I where I stop people at, right? Because it's very tendon intensive, and we like to make sure that tendons have about forty eight to seventy two hours of you know recuperation between uh, intensive bouts, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Awesome. Well, you know, again, as always, we, we always look forward to, to your feedback and uh, getting questions. You know, you can email Jess or I at Don or Jess at themovementphysio.ca. Um, feel free to drop us, drop us a review or some feedback on, uh, on, on whatever channel you, you listen to us through. And as always, stay on the move. <laughs> can't laugh at me before it's even done. <laughs> you starts laughing before I even finish. Because we talked about changing the ending. Well, I didn't... I